Hey everybody, it's me, Pete. Sorry I can't be with you live in person on Crosswalks campus today. Uh, I will miss you. I was looking forward to being with you today and all that, but uh, we're playing it safe. As you've probably heard, uh, my daughter Lakin uh, was at an office party and was exposed to a person that um, the next day tested positive for COVID, even though he'd been fully vaccinated. And uh, Lynn and I and both of our kids have been fully vaccinated and boosted. Uh, but we're just playing it safe. We don't want to uh, pass this thing along. I really don't think I'm going to test positive. I think I'm fine. I think it's going to be okay, but we just don't want to, uh, to push that. So anyway, uh, thanks for playing along. Um, so this week for meditation, to, before we jump into the teaching, you know, this whole series that I've been doing with you all on God with us, uh, we've been exploring uh, in an incremental kind of way uh, first, just admitting that our human nature is that we like to control things. We like to understand things with metaphor. Uh, that's how we make sense of our world, our paradigms, our constructs, our mental schema. All this stuff uh, helps us get along in the world, helps us make sense of things and move forward. And it's very good. It's natural. It's normal. It's healthy. Uh, but sometimes those paradigms, those metaphors, the mental schema, etc., they get in the way. And so we've been talking each week, just reminding ourselves of two really big words to impress our friends with, the cataphatic versus the apophatic uh, tradition. Cataphatic, to be more specific, is uh, sort of a positive uh, term. It means that we can describe with positive terms our reality. And in terms of God, it means that we use positive language or language period to try to describe God. Uh, the apophatic uh, goes the opposite direction. Uh, we use a negation of language, uh, to, to so much to say that language fails us in our capacity to describe God. So we shouldn't even do that. So you have, you have two very different uh, ways to try to understand God and make sense of the world, the cosmos, and they're in operation in us at all times. So you have constructs that have been very helpful and limiting to you every day of your life. That leads you to mystery, but you can't live in that kind of fuzzy mystery uh, with your life. That doesn't really help us in a lot of ways. While it's important to keep it there, we need this tension between getting our heads around things and also embracing the fact that this thing that we call God, this person, this being, this presence, is just bigger than our minds can handle. We do the best we can, but we need to, we need to come at this thing loosely. And we looked at uh, the, the Christmas story that way. And so when we talk about the characters in the Christmas story before Jesus was born, you have people that had pretty strong thoughts about the way that God was going to act in the world. So they had this particular construct in mind. And then their minds were blown. Uh, you have Zechariah in a temple, not expecting anybody like God to talk to him. And bam, Gideon shows up and gives him a crazy announcement that he and his old wife uh, he was old too. Uh, we're going to have a baby in their old years, and that doesn't make any sense. Total surprise. Now be aware that Zachariah and Elizabeth, having received this news, they had to do their part to make this thing happen. Wink, wink. Okay. <laughs> so this was not a not one of these immaculate conceptions thing. This was run-of-the-mill conception, and uh, and they had to be a part of this. So they had to trust that God was in this thing, and and be a loving couple and see what happens. Uh, and that's an important piece to remember, uh, that God works in relationship with human beings 
to bring about the things that God wants to do in the world. And that's certainly true of Mary as well. Well, you can debate all you want about how you understand the story of Mary. Just to field a couple very quick questions, very briefly, hopefully. Uh, when we talk about questioning the birth narratives, the veracity of the birth narratives, it doesn't mean that Joseph and Mary were lying or anything like that. What, what it suggests is, is that the gospel accounts were written much later, well after, decades after Jesus' ministry. And it was normal back in that day uh, for writers to craft their stories in such a way to make a point to win more people to their uh, to, to their story, to the person they're celebrating and all this. So for the rule of the first century writers, they broke no rules. They made no mistakes and they were not trying to pull anything over on anybody because they lived in the first century and this is how they did things. This also doesn't mean that we throw out the whole Bible or we throw out the New Testament. That's a very modern way of thinking and a very binary way which is incredibly destructive. All we're simply saying is, is given what we know about first century writing and how they crafted their stories, in particular about the leaders that they wanted to lift up, it's okay to at least ask the question. If you want to just leave it as is, read it just plainly and go with it, great. Uh, if you want to challenge this and wonder about it, great. Because you know what's going to happen at the end of the day? We're still going to come down to, in this Christmas time, and I tried to articulate this last week, where we're celebrating the birth and the person of Jesus. Christmas celebrates Jesus' birthday, <laughs> the person of Jesus. And for this story and for thinking about God and how all this stuff works, Jesus himself was not off the hook. Depend, no matter how you view this thing, if he was you know, truly 50-50 or 100% God, 100% human being, however you want to do the math, or if he was a human being that had such a radical openness to the presence of God that he becomes a catalyst and a conduit of the presence of God like we've never seen before. Uh, if that's the way you want to look at it, it doesn't really make a difference because at the end of the day, Jesus was still making decisions about whether or not he was going to fold into the way of God. And his whole life and his ministry, um, which really was just the last, I don't know, one to three years of his life, depending on which gospel you pay most attention to, uh, it was one decision after another of deciding whether or not he was going to be the agent of the kingdom of God for God in the world or not. And so that's what he was all about, uh, is choosing this way. Uh, which was going to make the world a better place, uh, which was going to bring equity and equality everywhere, uh, was going to invite the presence of God in, and it often came at a high price, as it certainly did for Jesus, and it does for us. We'll get into the why would we want to do that in a moment. Well, my meditation that I want you to experience today plays off this idea with one of the greats in the Christian tradition. His name is commonly appreciated as St. Patrick. He lived in the 4th and 5th centuries, and he has a prayer that is accredited to, accredited to him. Uh, I don't know if he really wrote it. There's some suspicion about that. I don't care. Uh, his breastplate prayer is awesome. And I just want you to sit and listen and soak into this. In our bulletin from time to time, currently it's in there, we have the breastplate prayer uh, you know, printed for you to meditate on, and you're welcome to look at that. But this song, uh, which you're going to have the lyrics to right in front of you for a moment, 
uh, is actually going to give you um, the preface to that prayer, uh, which was meant to be this. I'm, I'm going to wake up today and this is the mantra that I'm going to enter into my day with. So just take some deep breaths and let this song soak over you, into you. May it carry you to a place recognizing that somebody who is deeply committed to Jesus uh, was saying this regularly and it made such a huge difference in his life and in the world. So may you enjoy the breastplate of St. Patrick.
All right, I hope you like that. If you want to watch that again and again and again, I put a uh, link in this uh, in my blog, so you can just fire that up in the teachings section of our website. My blog will publish at 12 o'clock on Sunday, December 19, 2021. And it has this, all the stuff that's in the bulletin that's relevant to the teaching today. And I hope that you'll find it to be a helpful resource. So the question I have for you today uh, is, as we bring this series to a close, because I'm launching into a new thing next week, introducing the next thing that's coming up, which has to do with open and relational theology and a book related to that, um, is I want to ask the, the big questions. And that is, so what? Why do we care about any of this stuff? And now what? So what's the so what behind this? And what's the now what uh, of this God, God with us-ness? As we're trying to understand and learn that Jesus himself also danced between the cataphatic and the apophatic as he was making his way in the world, understanding that he came to present this way, and in a very sobering way, appreciating the fact that this way that Jesus taught was not easy. Let's just recall that the way of Jesus led to Jesus' death, and not an easy death. He didn't die in his sleep dreaming happy thoughts. Uh, he was severely tortured in the worst ways Rome could think of. And then he was hung on a cross, the worst type of, uh, of capital punishment that Rome could think of. And he was left there to die. It was horrific. And most of his early disciples uh, also died as martyrs. Sign me up, right? <laughs> I mean, seriously. What, how does that make any sense? Why would anybody want to do this thing? That's what I want to talk about today, because I do want to do this thing. And the reason why I want to do this thing uh, has to do with what the way is all about. Uh, remember that the first followers of Jesus in the first century, they were called the people of the way. What way? The way of Jesus. So these are people who are trying very hard to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. They weren't just people going around trying to sell a new idea like, hey, everybody, we got this new belief statement to sign off. What do you think? You know, sign up right here and you're going to go to heaven. That, that was not what the disciples were doing. Hope for this life, hope for the next life, sure. But they also recognized that this was a way of life to bring in this kingdom of God and that it had benefit for us too. So uh, I want to ask you, you know, just straight out, why are you doing this thing? Or, or what? why would you consider following Jesus? What is your motivation here? And, uh, you know, luckily, uh, Paul, who was one of the martyrs and followers of Jesus, not an original disciple, he was a Johnny come lately, um, but he gives us an answer to this. And he says this to a, a church that was a real problem child, honestly, a uh, church in Galatia. And uh, Paul writes this toward the end of his letter uh, to the Galatians. He says, but what happens when we live God's way? And this would be the way of Jesus. He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears on an orchard, in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting your own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, 
Let us make sure we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. So what I'm hearing Paul say here is that a lot of the wonderful qualities that every single human being wants in their life, in another translation of the, of the same text, we hear the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. These are the things that come into our life when we choose to walk in the way of Jesus. These are all wonderful things that everybody wants for their lives, for the people that they love, and at our heart of hearts, it's what we want for the whole world. Even creation itself, we want good things for this planet that we call home. Why wouldn't we? It just makes sense. So what Paul is saying here, and what I want to say to you is, if you want your life to be noted and marked by these fruits of the Spirit, if you want more of that kind of stuff in your diet of life, follow Jesus, even if it's hard. Follow Jesus. And if you want more of this for the people in the world that you love, promote the way of Jesus, because it will lead to that. Walking in the Spirit of God leads to the fruits of the Spirit of God. God is about love. God is about generosity. God is about all of these things. And so when we are tied to the heart of God, these things come. And if you want your enemies not to be enemies anymore, walk in the way of Jesus, uh, because there is a far better chance that that will change. And they may not even be enemies for much longer if you choose to walk in that way. You want the world to improve. You want things to get better all the way around. Follow Jesus. Uh, because it just makes sense. It's what we want in our heart of hearts. We're built for it. Your true self, which is your truest self in you, this weird, very unique mix of the Spirit of God at work in you and your DNA and your context and all this stuff mixed up, baked into a cake, that's you. There's no one like you. There will never be anyone like you. Why not find out what that can be? And the way you do that is by choosing to follow Jesus. Well, if you're new to this whole idea, if, if you grew up primarily hearing uh, that Christianity was simply about believing the right thing and making sure you asked for forgiveness in time before you died uh, so that you'd be forgiven and welcome into heaven, which is just step one, honestly, recognizing that we're loved by God unconditionally and that's never, ever, ever going to change. So if you've never heard that before, newsflash, great news. It's good news. It's the gospel <laughs> that... Jesus' primary message to everybody is, God loves you, period. Uh, you can't do anything to screw that up. Uh, God is always going to love you. God's forgiveness is always there, has always been there. And it's about time you wake up to it and start enjoying it. So that's your, that's your invitation, number one, is to embrace the fact that you're loved by God, which means you're wonderful and you're loved and you're a good creature and that God wants to bring that out of you in all these ways. Well, how do we do that? What does it mean to follow in the footsteps of Jesus? Well, again, we turn to Paul. we got quite a bit of text here, but it's just so straightforward and so good. I wanted to share it with you. One of these is on our, uh, in our church bulletin today the very beginning of what I'm going to read. So how do we do this? Well, again, uh, Paul talks to this time the Philippian church, a church that he absolutely adores. 
He says this, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privilege of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having, some, having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death, and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever, so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow and worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. Now, before I read the rest of what Paul's saying here, I didn't print this well in your bulletin, or maybe I did, I can't remember. Uh, I, this is a poem. This is an early hymn of the church. Remember that Paul never met Jesus, he only experienced Christ. And so his only experience of Jesus and Christ, which he put together at the same, is this, ex this mystical experience of the very presence of God. That just helps you qualify some things, perhaps, as you go along. But there's mysterious language here, and that's okay. Paul continues. What I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure, and you the most pleasure, I might add. Do everything readily and cheerfully, not bickering, no second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. And toward the end of his letter to the Philippians, he finishes with this. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And I just want to say a few words before we look at a couple final words in the screen. You know, when I read that statement about fixing your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable, I'm thinking that means that I'm probably going to want to stop listening so much to some other voices that are not like that. And I just want to have an honest conversation with you, if I can, 
in this public setting. And just to ask, are there any voices that are coming to you that you're giving attention to? I'm talking largely about different forms of media that are not honorable, that are not truth-oriented, that are not right and pure and lovely and admirable. And I'm just encouraging you, why, why, why do we as human beings, why do we give those any space at all? And so maybe, maybe give yourself a Christmas gift this week <laughs> and just turn it off and focus on more lovely things because the stuff that keeps news ratings generated are not lovely things most of the time. Uh, just a just a bonus sermon there for you, uh, but I hope that you'll pay attention uh, because that's something we all got to work on. And, you know, they've got this thing down to such a science that we're sucked in all the time. And maybe we just need to turn that off for a bit. Well, uh, the final piece and the final chunk on the screen here that I wanted to say, and I'm trying to be brief today because I can be, is that God required human partnership at Christmas and still does. All the characters before Jesus were born had to be responsive. And the characters right around Jesus' birth had to be responsive. Jesus had, Joseph had to have enough faith to go along with this thing and not dump Mary and then be a dad uh, to Jesus, even though whatever the case of the, the birth was, was weird. Uh, we know that the shepherds had to leave their flocks and go see what was going on. We know that character after character had to do their part uh, to, to make a difference in this story. And what I want to say to you is that, that that has not changed, that what God wants to do in the world still requires you, that God invites you to follow the way of love, and for you and yours and all humanity and creation itself to experience the fullness of life. I'm just wondering what might be nudging you today. How might God be inviting you forward? You know, I've said this in the past, uh, that they're the most miserable people in the world are people who claim to be Christian and yet have one foot following in the footsteps of Jesus and another foot following uh, the, in the footsteps of the world around us. Miserable because we're torn all the time. Jesus himself said, you know, my way is easy and uh, my burden is light. And what he was getting at was, you know, the way of the way of God, the way that leads to the fruits of the Spirit, the way that leads to a rich, abundant life. When you're all in, so much gets easier. The challenge is when we're trying to do two things at once. And I'm just asking you, knowing that this is a lifelong process and it's something we have to visit and, and monitor and manage all the time. That's just human nature. So we don't got to beat ourselves up about it, but we can be wise about it. We can ask ourselves, you know, which camp am I in here? Really, more importantly, what parts of my lives are definitely oriented toward Jesus and the way of walking in the Spirit, which is going to be good for me, good for my loved ones, even good for my enemies, good for everybody everywhere? And what parts of my life have yet uh, to come along and follow Jesus? Because the more we can get it all aligned and in line with Jesus, the better life for us, the better life period is going to be. God with us means God is really with us. But are we with God? And will we choose to follow suit in this grand tradition, staying flexible between the cataphatic and the apophatic, realizing that if God is really with us, really, really with us, then it's already happening. We're already in it. That's the panentheistic way of thinking. 
It means that Jesus also experienced this and then modeled like no other person ever has before or since uh, what it looks like to be fully, recklessly abandoned to the way of God. So I hope that you will. I hope you'll see the beauty of it, the grandeur of it. I hope you'll join me in doing the best you can to follow in the footsteps of Jesus because you matter. Your life matters. Your joy matters. This world matters. Everybody matters. So let's cling to the one uh, who has formed us and who still breathes and animates life in us. May we be of one accord and follow together in this expansive, inclusive, beautiful, life-giving, generous way of Jesus. And may we have a Merry Christmas because of it. Let's pray together. Uh, we'll end with the Lord's Prayer, and then I encourage you to hang on right after the Amen because we kind of have a wrap-up song that I love, and I want it to send us off today. Uh, it's a bit of a Christmas wish uh, for us as we go today. Let's pray together. So God, as we end our time together today, I trust that your Spirit has been at work in this process. I trust that you have wanted us to learn and to see things new and that your attitude about it toward us has not been one of judgment or wrath or frustration, but just pure love, because that's who you are. You long for us to live to the full. You want us to thrive in these lives, and not just us, but everybody on the planet. You want the same thing, and you want for the planet itself to just thrive in its creative capacity. So we want to say yes to that today. Uh, and we ask for your help uh, to see where maybe we've got a foot in each camp and recognize that that's causing us some pain. So God, may we more and more, uh, inch by inch, foot by foot, mile by mile, find ourselves more following you. And in the process, seeing more fruit of the Spirit uh, come into our lives. To that end, we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I hope to see you guys Christmas Eve. I'm planning on being there, uh, and uh, I'm planning on being completely negative as far as COVID's concerned. <laughs> and I will see you guys in a little bit, uh, just a few days from now. Uh, but now, as you go out, enjoy this beautiful song by Voktiv, one of my favorites. Take care. This is my wish, my wish for the world That peace would find its way to every boy and girl This is the time, the time for harmony Let love be the song that everybody sings Joyful noise, ring the bells and raise your voice, let there 
peace on earth. Let there be peace on earth. Lift your light and let it shine. Let it shine, shine, shine. Let every voice be heard. Let there be peace on earth. I hear the sweetest sound, the sound of hope to come. Together we could bring to everyone let it start with you let it start with me let every nation rise and sing this melody We. Oui.